Now I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. This is on page 975 of your pew Bible. As we continue our series in the fruit of the Spirit, and this morning focused on on that fruit of patience. So as you arrive there, I invite you to stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. I remember a phrase that my mom used to use over and over again when I was a little boy, uh, and you'll probably recognize this yourselves. It's the phrase, patience is a virtue. Usually it was when I was, you know, in in the back seat of the car and we're driving somewhere and I'm saying, mom, are we there yet? Are we there yet, mom? Come on, are are we there? And she'd say, she'd give me this look, and it was a stern look, and she'd say, patience is a virtue. I'd realize exactly what she meant. I needed to settle down. I needed to endure the drive. And of course, this phrase came up all the time. Uh, My mom had a way, as your mothers probably did too, of of having these phrases ready just to to lay before you. And uh, this one is true, isn't it? Patience really is a virtue. In fact, it's more than a virtue. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's listed there. Love, joy, peace, patience. There it is, patience. And what you'll notice is patience as a fruit of the spirit is something that slowly but surely takes shape in the Christian life. There's no Christian who can't um, in some way or another start to bear this fruit as a result of belonging to Jesus Christ. The Christian who belongs to Jesus is a Christian who is becoming more and more patient. Now, that's fitting, isn't it? That patience is a fruit of the spirit because fruit grows slowly and it's patient work. In fact, we heard that in James, uh, that there's a sense in which the harvest takes time. Well, patience as a fruit of the spirit takes time to develop in our lives. And so I want to start this sermon off with a caveat. I want to start this sermon off with you hearing, yes, I'm going to challenge you to be patient, but also remember, friends, that the work of becoming patient 
is itself an act of patience. (laughs) Be patient with becoming patient, but you must pursue it. You must pursue it. We're going to see this. uh, First of all, we we ought to define what patience means. What is patience? With with Frazier, I love this phrase that Natalie uses with him. I can say this because he's he's not here. He's in the nursery right now with her. But the phrase that Natalie used with Frazier is, Patience is waiting without fussing. Patience is waiting without fussing. You know what that's like, don't you? I mean, this isn't just for kids. It's also for adults. Uh, when we're like, you know, kind of moving about in our seat. When, when's it going to happen? When's it, when am I going to be ready? Uh, and, and you're just told, slow down. Don't fuss. You need to wait without fussing, without losing it, without losing your cool. Here's another definition of patience. Patience is the godly ability to take trouble without blowing up or giving up. You hear that? Patience is that ability to um, endure difficult, troublesome situations. And life is full of that. And to do it in such a way that we don't blow up uh, in anger or frustration. And we also don't give up and say, okay, I'm done. Now, it's that kind of patience that we, we are called to emulate, we are called to develop in the scriptures. And so let's look at this, because actually, when we look at patience, Scripture uses a lot of different words. We tend to just have one English word ready for us in this day and age. But if you look to the Scriptures, and even if you look to Old English, you'll see there are other words that are readily available to explain what patience means. And and the first is this word that you see often like the King James Bible. It's this word forbearance. Forbearance. What What does forbearance mean? Forbearance means that we bear with one another. Forbearance means that the patient person has learned how to persist with difficult people. Now, you wouldn't know any difficult people, would you? What what kind of people are difficult people? How about the stubborn and the weak? Do you know any stubborn and weak people in your life? People who just feels like you have to say the same thing over and over and over again to them. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a roommate. Maybe it's someone that you've spent time. um, They've disclosed to you the the, the troubles of their life and, and you have advice for them. And yet it feels like over and over and over again, you say the same thing. And it's never uh, soaked in and, 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 and acted upon. And so you see what people do with their lives and you say, can't you see how many times do I have to tell you this? Do I really have to tell you again? What about the cruel and the unjust? What about those who have personally wronged you? You know anyone like that in your life? When someone hurts you in such an obvious way and you say, how dare you? You'll pay for that. Whether it's my passive aggressive response, whether it's the silent treatment, whether it's uh, I'm going to find some way that you feel the pain. You're going to get payback. You know, that's our our, our sinful, our, our initial response when people have wronged us. 
difficult people in this life. People who are stubborn and weak. People who are cruel and unjust. And the scriptures talk about them all. Read 1 Thessalonians and you'll hear about the weak and the idle. And how Paul said, sometimes this is just so difficult. But bear with one another. And then he'll talk about people that have wronged you. And Jesus will talk about people that have wronged you. And he'll say, wait, turn the other cheek. You see, the Bible knows that people are difficult. It it acknowledges this. It says, yep, they're all around you. And it says that there is a better way. The way of patient forbearance. The way of persisting with difficult people. Now, how does God show us the better way? Well, God shows us the better way, first of all, because he is a patient God. Do you know this? Turn to Exodus 34, 6. We actually heard this in Joel today as well. Exodus 34, 6 simply says this. God is revealing in this passage uh, the very heart of his, um, of, of who he is. He's saying, you want to know who I am? Look at Exodus 34, 6. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You see, look at that phrase there. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. This is who our God is. He says, I am patient. I bear with difficult people. Uh, elsewhere in the Psalms, we hear that God knows our frames. He remembers we are dust. And yet he meets us on that level. He knows how difficult and stubborn and persistent we are. And yet he persists with us for long, 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 long times. This is our God. Think of how our God revealed himself in the book of Jonah to the prophet Jonah. When Jonah is just ready to explode with frustration and punch back at the Ninevites, who are his enemies, who have wronged Israel... What did God do? God said, don't you see? Don't you see who I am? Don't you see that I'm slow to anger? Don't you see that I look on these people? And the first thing I see is not how difficult and stubborn and and cruel the Ninevites are. But instead, they're sheep without a shepherd. They don't know their right from their left hand. Should I not be slow and patient with them? And then, of course, we see this displayed to us. Yeah, you think you're not a difficult and stubborn person? Of course you are. Of course I am. I'm turning to 2 Peter right now. 2 Peter 3, 9, where we hear loud and clear that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is what? Patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, there's a way to look at what's going on in the world right now. This is what the scripture says, the the way that non-Christians look at the world. And they say, well, look, God doesn't seem to care all that much about what's going on around us. 
God doesn't seem to care about evil and injustice. God doesn't seem to care about who I have relationships with and, and, and how I live my life. God, God, God doesn't seem to care about that. But you know what the, the scriptures say is actually God cares deeply. But the reason why we don't see his immediate judgment coming upon a sinful world is not because he doesn't care. It's because he's what? Patient. And because God is so kind and so patient, so forbearing with sinners that he says, I'll wait thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. If it means that even one sinner comes to life and repentance. That's our God. And isn't this displayed perfectly on the cross of Christ? Yes, it is. I'm turning to 1 Timothy 1.16. 1 Timothy 1.16 says this. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. See, the cross is all about patience. Jesus, and, uh, and the person and work of Jesus Christ, God, the eternal God, took on flesh. Patience took on flesh, became man. And what did Jesus say as he bore with difficult disciples? He said, so many times he put his head in his hands and said, how long must I bear with you? Don't you get it? And so often Jesus would look at those who had rejected him, an unbelieving generation, and he'd put his hand in his head, um, his, his, hand in, his head in his hand, sorry, and say, how long must I bear with this crooked generation? And yet, he persisted all the way to the cross. We're at the, the hands of Stubborn, weak, cruel, and unjust sinners. He was nailed to a cross. And his hands spread out to show just how how long and how wide his patience is. Patience even to the point of death. Rising again from the dead. He proclaims that his patience makes a difference. His patience brings life. His patience with sinners brings them to repentance. So when we hear of the patience of the Lord, friends, there's two responses that we must have. The first is this. The first is we must repent. We must repent. Whenever the scriptures bring up God's patience, like in that second Timothy, second uh, Peter passage, rather, the, the message loud and clear is this. Do not presume upon God's patience. Don't think that just because he hasn't judged you for your sin in this moment, right here and now, that he's never going to do it. Because he will. And in fact, the patience of the Lord right now is not to be presumed upon. It's, it's meant to drive us to say, if God is patient, and if this is that window in which his patience with me is calling me to turn from my sin, then I have to do that right now. I can't wait any longer. Now is the opportunity to turn from my sin, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to have the hope of redemption in God. So if you have not turned from your sin, if you haven't repented today when we confessed our sins of of your stubbornness, 
of your weakness, of your injustice to others, then do that now. Because the patience of the Lord is meant to drive you to repentance. But there's another way we should respond to God's repentance. If we've turned to Jesus, if we've said, Lord, thank you for your patience with me. You know what I'm about to say, right? We must show that patience to others. It's got to flow out of our hearts. It's got to seep out of us and reach other people. Because hasn't that been the trajectory of every fruit of the Spirit that we've studied so far? The love of God comes to us in Christ Jesus, overwhelms us with its beauty, so much so that it fills us and spills out of us to a world that needs love. Joy, the same thing, fills up our hearts with such delight that the world sees it and says, how can I have that? Peace fills our hearts uh, from the cross, from the empty tomb, fills our hearts so much that it spills out to a world and shows that peace with our fellow man that we become peacemakers. Well, it's the same thing with patience, friends. The patience of God drives us to repentance and fills us up so completely that we say, hey, I ought to show that same patience with my kids, with my spouse, with my roommate, with my coworkers, with my neighbor. And yes, even when I'm being blasted for what I believe, even when I feel like I'm saying things a hundred times over and they're not listening. God calls you to be patient with others. Do you know that? Who in your life do you need to become more patient towards? Is there a person that this sermon is laying upon your heart that you should should practice greater patience towards? Is there someone that you're tempted to lose your temper on because you're so frustrated with how long it takes them to understand something? Is there someone who has wronged you and you're tempted to to punch back? God says, more patience, beloved. Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says this. That's apparently not the right passage. I think it's somewhere close there. It's the idea that the scriptures impress upon us that God has been so patient with us in forgiving us of all of our sins that we ought to display that same patience and forgiveness with one another. In fact, it was the right passage. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Are you prepared to endure great stubbornness to display the patience of your God? God is not calling you to be a pushover. He's not saying that you just endure abuse without taking action. You should take action. You should... uh, Share difficult words. You should call people to repentance. You should uh, preserve your own life from those that threaten it. But friends, none of those things excuse impatience. Impatience can be practiced even when people are immeasurably difficult. You say, how long? How long do I have to show patience? Do you understand how difficult these people are in my life? Friends, there is no limit, no limit to the patience God is calling you to display. 
Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. Love bears all things, believe all things. Love never ends. And so the patience that you are called to display to one another, there's really no point at which you say, okay, I did that long enough. No, it goes on and on and on. Is that the kind of patience you're prepared to display this morning? Let me just make note of something. I've noted something, this with myself and with others, that those who aren't very patient with others tend to not be very patient with themselves first. Have you noticed that? I've noticed with myself that when I am losing my temper on others and when I am uh, wanting to punch back at others, I'm tempted to do the very same thing to myself, to to punish myself uh, for how slow I'm growing in the Christian life. Uh, to, to, to be frustrated with myself and to, uh, to, to lash out um, because, because I'm, I, I, I haven't understood something yet. And really, I think the two are connected because they're connected in this way. When we don't understand the incredible patience and grace of God towards ourselves, we're not going to be so full of it that we display it to ourselves and others. So if you're struggling with this, this idea of patience this morning, you've got to go back to the cross and see the patience of God towards you. Well, patience is hard. Yes, it is. It's incredibly difficult to bear with one another because people are difficult and we are difficult. But patience means more than just persisting with difficult people. Patience involves also enduring difficult situations. And that's where there's another word that Scripture uses a lot. It's the word endurance. Endurance. The kind of endurance that results in us waiting, waiting long time for the Lord. And so we bear with one another, but we also wait upon the Lord. Now, what are the kind of difficult situations that require patience? I think you know of them already. The suffering in your life. The waiting for circumstances to change. Waiting for results from a a cancer biopsy. Waiting for chronic pain to, to let up. Waiting for a broken relationship to start to heal. Waiting to find a new job. These are the kinds of things that are difficult. Let me add to this. Waiting for progress to be made in the Christian life. For that takes time. And why this is so difficult is because we live in this age of instant gratification. Where Amazon is now doing overnight shipping. And most items, uh, they're doing that for free for most items. You know, I can click a button and early tomorrow morning... I can have, you know, soap delivered. It's like, wow, that's crazy. Just a click of a button, instant gratification. It's in that kind of world. It's in that kind of context that, of course, we're going to struggle with patience, perhaps even more than previous generations. It's in that kind of context where we are especially tempted when we're not getting what we want, when we want it, and alleviation from suffering right when it's desired that we're saying, First of all, we're tempted to to resent God and say, God, what are you doing here? God, what's going on? Why am I not further in the Christian life? Come on. Why do I not feel more fulfilled in you right now? Why, um, Lord, are you letting me endure this suffering? What's going on? And it's in that moment that we're tempted to say, okay, I'm done with your plan. 
It doesn't make sense to me. Give me instant gratification of sin. Give me that, that instant hit from, uh, from the kind of sins I can indulge in here and now. Notice that in the passage uh, that we read in Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the, fl- uh, or the works of the flesh, rather, are each things that can give instant gratification. Sexual immorality, drunkenness, impurity, orgies, and the like. These are the kinds of things that you just, right away, gives you the kind of instant gratification, but then later you just feel awful and the guilt sets in. You say, that didn't make me happy at all. But the fruit of the Spirit, patience, says, the Lord says to us, wait, just wait. It's coming. Hope is on the horizon. In fact, that's what we have to do to actually practice the fruit of patience is we must learn how to wait patiently for the Lord, as Psalm 37, 7 says. The key to waiting patiently for the Lord is realizing that there is hope in his providence. There is hope in his plan. Hope means that all of the suffering of this life, all of the sorrows are for something. They're all driving somewhere. That's why James gives us this picture of a harvest, right? You know, when I'm looking out at my garden, I've told Natalie many times, oh, that, that, that flower, it's just not, it's not growing. I think I'm going to pull it out. She's like, why don't you just wait? Why don't you just see what happens with it? Aren't we tempted to do that so often in our life? We, God's plan, God's growth plan for us doesn't make sense for us. The suffering that he permits in our life doesn't click for us. And so we say, okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something different. I'm going I'm to look for instant gratification. When really what God is saying is slow and steady, Christian. This isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. Hold on and hold on by looking to what all of this is pointing towards. Sometimes you don't even understand how it all fits together, but we know that hope in the gospel means that it is going somewhere. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 25. Romans chapter 8, 25 says this. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And then I love how down in in verse 28, God gives us something to help our hope. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. See, friends, if you belong, by faith to Christ Jesus, then you need to know right here and now that the suffering of your life, the things that you wouldn't have written into your plan are written by God into it for your good. And even if you can't decipher it and figure it out, it simply means you're not God and that's a good thing. And it means that waiting patiently, enduring the cross of life means that on the other side is glory. That's the key to endurance. It's saying, there's rest at the end of the race. There's a harvest ahead of growing season. I'm 
going to hang in there because I trust my God to order and provide. Well, I wonder, friends, do you exhibit this virtue, this fruit? Look to Christ Jesus. He's the one who, the book of Hebrews says, endured the cross, bore that shame. What? For the joy that laid ahead of him. He's the one who keeps you steady on the long journey. Remember, he's the one that you're waiting for. For what we're waiting for is his great return in which he promises that every tear will be wiped away Every sense of suffering will fade and the harvest in its fullness will burst out upon us. Patience, friends. Patience until that day. Let's pray. Our dear God, we pray for patience. Lord, how often we like little ones, start to fuss because your plan doesn't make sense to us. How often, Lord, uh, we don't want to wait, but we we look to the things that give us instant gratification. But you have shown us in, in this passage and countless others the better way, the way of waiting upon you, the way of really believing, Lord, that what you have in store for us is truly better than any way that we could order our own lives. Help us to wait patiently. And Lord, we thank you that you look upon our suffering and don't just dismiss it, Lord, and say it's not really anything. But Lord, you look at it and say, that's difficult. And yet you show us the way forward. We thank you that you are a God who entered human history and in the person and work of Jesus, practice great patience for our salvation. You were patient so that we could be patient. So help us be patient now, Lord. And may it bear great fruit. May our experience of you in the patient waiting of life bear greater fruit than, it, than if we would have instant gratification in sitting at your table in the kingdom of heaven now. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.